God has amazing plans for this morning, but before that, I'm going to say jokes. <laughs> Where did Jesus get his DoorDash from? Judas's carryout. Judas's carryout. I'm going to start a vegan restaurant that caters to pirates. The mascot will be a buccaneer who says, Chard. Chard is a leafy plant. I had to Google that. Overpriced corn will cost a buccaneer at this new restaurant. I have one more. Yeah. I call my iPhone the Titanic because every time I plug it in, it says sink. <laughs> that's, that's two services that she's listened to these and just now got it. Sink. Some of you are really thinking about that. Sinking. All right. Well, good morning. Today, I'd love to start off with just a quick story about my my wife and us being married. I'm going to talk about unity and becoming one and the power of one. And so, like, what better story than to talk about like becoming one with Amy? Uh, it's been 20 years of becoming one, and uh, over the last 20 years, I've learned a lot about becoming one. I can remember the first two, well, let's say one to first four years of our marriage. It was really hard to decide who wins the argument or who wins the decision that's going to be made. And uh, if you've met my wife, you've probably learned the answer on that one <laughs> is not me most of the time. She, uh, she wins. She just reminded me of some decisions that she's won. So I had this idea when our kids were in school. <laughs> I, had, I had this idea uh, as our kids were growing up and going to school and stuff was like to try out different school districts. You know, we have the open enrollment, but we didn't really know how that was going to work. So I thought we'll just sell our house and let's move on a boat. And then when we don't like the school district, we'll just float down the Mississippi <laughs> It's a good idea. So she won that decision, and we didn't do that. Yeah, she's, she's won a lot of decisions, and thank God, because... Um, and, you know, another, another decision that I thought was... I had a lot of guitar amps and, like, drum sets and stuff like that, and I thought, well, we could just use those for furniture. You know, you just sit on the guitar amp. It looks cool. People are over at your house, you know, pull up a seat. And she, she won that decision, too. We had to buy furniture. So these are uh, decisions that I've lost. But um, one thing that I've noticed over the last 20 years is you don't just become one with somebody. The, the scripture actually says that you'll leave your father and your mother and become one. It takes time. It's, it's a process of constantly letting the other person win sometimes. <laughs> Right? And compromising and working together and being at unity with one another. It costs us something, doesn't it? We don't always get our way. 
If you're married here today, let me just give you some, a word of encouragement. You're not always going to get your way. You know, you're just not. So stop trying. And this is the decision that I came up with about five years into our, our marriage is it's just not worth it to argue. I just decided to stop arguing and just let you win. Okay, you win. Like, how much more can I sacrifice? Like, what, what else can you win on? And then all of a sudden, we started working together really well because we're both really strong personalities. And so at first, we were always trying to win. But then you just come to a conclusion to become one. You just, you slowly but surely just stop arguing because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to get your way every single time, is it? So this is uh, the power of becoming one. We link arms with one another and become stronger as we gather together, as we become one. There's power in that, that we're not alone. We're not like the Hulk trying to, you know, go and do these amazing things by ourselves. but we're actually a body, that God actually calls his church the body of Christ, that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. And when we link arms together and say, you know what, our advancement of the kingdom of God is more important than the agendas that are on my mind or on my heart or what I think should happen. When we say, you know what, we're just going to go ahead and live in unity together, there's power in that. And God moves in power. His spirit moves in unity. If you want to know how the spirit of God functions, it functions in unity. God's power and his presence functions when we gather together in unity and we say, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to lay everything aside and I'm going to go ahead and put you first and my brothers and sisters first. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Can we get some audio of that and just play that here and there? God's purpose and his design for us was to live at one with one another. He created us to be at sync, not sinking, but to be in sync, not the band, <laughs> to be in sync with one another. The Lord created us that way. He put a desire and a design in our hearts to, to be in unity with one another. It's a longing that we all have. It's there. For somebody to know us, right? That you really know me, but then also for us to know others. This was God's design. He invited us into the greatest commandment of all times. You get, you know, you can sum up the Ten Commandments with love him first and then love others as you love yourself there's this desire in our hearts to to love one another and to be at unity to be in unity with one another paul teaches on this in ephesians 4 that's going to be our passage today ephesians 4 1 and he's writing to the church of ephesus the church of Ephesus had a lot of different things going on. They were combining a big group of people that all saw things differently. Religion was getting in there and background and family heritage. And Paul's desire and his word for the church of Ephesus 
was to be at unity, to be in unity with one another. But he's writing this passage from, from a place of prison. He's in, he's in jail in Rome, writing to the church, live at unity with one another. And so I just want you to imagine this, this man who started the church of Ephesus, and now here he is in prison, writing to the church and just saying, here's some encouraging words. Here's what's really important. Here's what's the most important things in your life, guys. Here's, here's what's most important for God to move in his church, and this is what it is. It's found in Ephesians 4, 1. I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Would you guys just pray with me? Lord, we just gather together as one body right here, right now. Come, Holy Spirit. We just uh, open up our hearts and our minds to just hear what it is that you're inviting us into. Would you speak directly to each one of us exactly what it is that we need to hear? Lord, I just pray as this message um, just comes across that even for some of us in this room, that as we talk about unity, that have experienced, I've tried that before. Lord, we maybe have built up walls around our heart. Lord, I just pray that you would just begin to break down those walls in Jesus' name. Just unite us together, unite our hearts together. Lord, I just choose to get out of your way, completely and totally out of your way. Would you have your way? in this message, and would you use the words that come out of my mouth for your glory, Jesus? Amen. So we're going to look at this, this passage verse by verse. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, so Paul knows exactly what he's in prison for. He hasn't done anything wrong. All he's done is present the gospel, and it's gotten him to prison. Just continuously, like, focusing on Jesus, starting things for Jesus, working with God, and it gets him to prison. And so he says this from a place of urgency, as a prisoner for the Lord, look, I've given up everything, and here's the one thing that I invite you into, is to live a life that's worthy of the calling you have received. The calling that we have all received is we've all received a calling into relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus did for us on the cross, is that we all have this calling. We all come under a purpose of Jesus invites us to a relationship, and he completely paid the way. It's like this calling of Jesus sitting at Armor Gardens with a chicken sandwich, and he's already paid for the meal, and he sits across the table, and he invites us to sit down and enjoy. That's the call. Amen, right? Good chicken sandwiches. Nashville hot. Real good. So he invites, us, he invites us into this calling. This is, this is what we're all invited in on. It's a calling that we have all received. Jesus calls. It says that he stands at the door and he knocks. And our, our opportunity, our role in this is literally to open the door and say, Jesus, I want you. I want a relationship with you. I surrender my life. And so Paul says, live a life that's worthy of the calling as he's sitting in jail, knowing what the calling has cost him. It's cost him everything. 
to get this word out that Jesus is king and, and the gospel is real and the cross was real. So live a life that's worthy of that calling. But it's not only this relationship with Jesus. Our calling is to love God, but then love one another. I think a lot of times we can get very focused on this, and this is beautiful, and this is really good, and it will definitely work to help to love one another, but you can't do this without doing this. You can't just, oh, I just love God. I just, you know, people I can't take. <laughs> That's tough, isn't it? It's nice to say. <laughs> I think that's a coffee mug. I just love God. People I can't take. But this is the calling that we all received. It's to love God, but then love one another. So live a life that's worthy of that. Surrender everything for that. Push through obstacles so that you can live this life that's worthy of that calling. This is Paul's encouragement as he writes from prison. He says, hands are bound. Live a life worthy of this calling. Verse 2 says this. Here's how you live this life. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So how do you live a life that's worthy of the calling that God has on your life? Well, you start with humility, don't you? Humility is a great way to build unity. And I love that he starts with that. You know, we want to jump straight to love, like love one another. That's really good, and that's powerful. But, man, loving one another comes with humility. We don't always get our way. We don't always get our agendas. I didn't get to move into a houseboat and float down the river I'm going to hold on to that one. <laughs> Live a life of humility. And then he says gentleness. To be gentle. This calling that God's given you to create unity with one another. Approach people with gentleness. And then be patient. And then love. I think a really great way to distinguish the, the, the power in those words is to look at your life from a calling and then do the exact opposite of what Paul said. So instead of humility, look at your life from this calling that God has on your life and then approach it with pride. <laughs> approach it with anger. Approach it with frustration. What's the opposite of patience? Frustration. Frustration comes when you decide that you can't control things and you can't control people. Can I get an amen? amen. And then approach it with hate. These are the opposite of what Paul invites us into. That's not going to build unity, and that's not a life any of us want to live, is it? So live a life that's worthy of this calling. Here's how you do it. 
Have humility in your life. Be gentle with people. Be patient with people and love people. And then verse 3, this is so powerful, guys. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every single effort that you have, every opportunity to keep unity with the bond of peace. Making every effort, that means going completely out of your way, which takes humility, doesn't it? Make every effort to keep the bond of peace even when you're right. <laughs> That's hard. But Paul says you can have unity. You can be at one with other people. If you make every single effort, that means leaving your phone on. That means being the first one to reach out and say, you know what? I know I've offended you, and I'm really sorry, even when you're right. Because you needed to be offended. No. <laughs> I'm glad I'm the one that did it. It's truth. <laughs> I love that Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. In our role as people that are starting to follow Jesus, as people have been following Jesus for a while, or people that are on this journey to start following Jesus, our role in this is not to create unity. That's not our role. Our role is to maintain the unity of the Spirit. God has imparted unity into his body, and he's actually put unity in your heart, and he's put unity in your brothers' and sisters' hearts. And so our role is to maintain that. Do whatever you can not to disrupt the unity of the Spirit of God. That's a really good way to look at it because if you look at it from a way of, I got to create this, it gets really stressful, and a lot of that's dependent on you. But if you look at it a way of, I'm just going to maintain what God has already created, that's beautiful. And then you're inviting the Holy Spirit into that. I'm maintaining what you're doing, Lord. I'm, you know, I, I want to be a great ambassador of the unity that you've given and you imparted into me. So do everything you can to keep unity. Make every single effort. Because there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul uses the word one seven times. He's trying to get one thing across. <laughs> He's got one point in all of this. And if you look at that, there's one body. That's us. We're one body. We function as one body. The church is one body. He's created all of us very differently, but we come under one body. And he says there's one spirit and there's one baptism. So this is an outward confession of I'm going to start to follow Jesus. I want to be baptized. And I just want to make very clear, sometimes we look at the Bible as like this list you know, that we put, okay, a check, I did, I did the baptism, I'm part of this thing, I, I'm a member of that church, and stuff like that. Like, it's not a list of dues. 
It's a list of maintaining. It's a list of invites. So this list does not ever get completed. It's never complete. We're just constantly becoming one more and more and more. As God is one, his church is one. The church is not separate from the Lord in becoming one. We are becoming one with one another, and we're becoming one with God. So this is a beautiful invite that Paul invites us all into, is to maintain this unity that I have for your life. To make every single effort to, to continue to go strong and create unity with one another and maintain it. But then also coming under this, we're all one. We have one hope, and this gets the pride out of the way because I need Jesus Christ as much as everyone else in this room needs Jesus Christ. We are all one. So I felt like something very strong from this passage that I just wanted to end with was that you're not alone in your journey with Jesus at all. You're not alone today. Maybe you've been surrounded with a lot of people. Maybe you've came to church for a while and, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing this thing and stuff. But I just want you to know that you're not alone. This is God's church and you're totally invited to participate and, and be a part of it and to step into unity. God has not called you to something separate and totally different that you're out there on your own to do. He's invited you into the body of Christ. And that comes through humility and just laying down our agendas and saying, you know what, I need Jesus as much as you do. Would you help me? Would you pray for me in this area? We need prayer here. And then how can I be praying for you? We're not alone, guys. God's design was for us to be one and in unity. One thing that changes when when we look at how can we be at one? How can we receive unity and be together and things? Is sacrificing our agendas and linking arms with others. This changes because our hearts change and say, you know what? What's the best thing for the team right now? How can I be a part of the team? And this is something that we can apply in every single aspect of our life. We can apply this in work. We can apply this at home. We can apply this with with everything that we go through. We can apply, how can I do what's best for the team? How can I keep the unity of my workplace? I think it's a really great question to just ask ourselves too. Am I doing everything I can to keep unity? Am I, am I doing everything I can to keep the unity or am I like trying to get an agenda across? Am I trying to get my way? Or am I trying to keep unity, maintain it? It's a great question that we can ask ourselves which is another way of just saying, am I easy to work with? (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? 
because it's so true. Am I an easy-to-work-with person? Because we can be. I believe the church is supposed to be a wrecking force for the kingdom of God and unity in our workplace. Can I get the kids to yell amen again after that or shout? Seriously, like, we can be the light of Jesus Christ in our workplace. If we're not, then who else is? If we're easy to work with and we go with the flow and, and you know, we work great with other people and we, we understand the teams, we, we get it, we, we promote others over ourselves. Man, how beautiful is that in the workplace? How much does it show the love of Jesus Christ to others that don't know him yet? It says something, doesn't it? My self-worth is not involved in my ways and my agendas. My self-worth is found in Jesus Christ. And so I love that you got the promotion over me. We can be that. The other thing that being in unity with other people is that it changes is, is our verbiage. Our words change. And so I'm going to invite you into something today. And that's this, is when you're thinking of some things, say city church, is city church, are you doing this? Are you doing that? Start using the word we. I don't hear the word you as a pastor. Like I hear like we, everything is we. Everything's ran through a filter of we. I don't make every decision around here. City Church would have bought Rhythm City Casino, and we would have floated down the river when it was for sale. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, I was going to tithe $20, but now... Wait. We, us. And I just invite you to do that in, in, in a lot of your areas of life where you find yourself maybe even feeling a little bit alone. I think it's good verbiage to just start applying. When you're at work, are we? Is this something that we're doing? Start applying it and take out the I. Well, I think, well, this is not exactly what I thought we were doing, but here we are. <laughs> Start using that verbiage and see how things change because we're invited into unity in, in every single aspect, especially the body of Christ. And so us, we, you are a part of this. Use humility, use gentleness, use patience, use love. And most of all, make every single effort you can to continue to keep the unity. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.
everywhere, Lord. I just have a strong sense that, that God's, <laughs> I just see a lot of us in this room that need to run to somebody that, that we've actually uh, caused some rifts with. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wish I had something else to <laughs> say, but um, man, life's going to be so much easier. And so uh, even though you're right, even though they're wrong, I just see a lot of us just, um, whatever that may be, uh, you know who God's talking about, that, that we can just extend the hand and just say, you know what, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've caused a riff in our relationship, or I'm sorry I've, I've said this, or I'm sorry, um, will you forgive me? This is what Paul was talking about, to keep every effort that we can. So, Lord, I just uh, invite you to unite your church. Hmm. Would you unite this body of, of believers and people that are just on this journey to discover who you are, Lord? Would you give each one of us patience and gentleness? Would we keep this bond of peace at the forefront of our minds in every aspect? Yeah, come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Unite us. I thank you for the unity that's represented here today and the unity that's represented at the 9 o'clock service. And Lord, I just thank you. Uh, even a, a big, bigger picture is the unity of the church body in, in the Quad Cities. As we all just gather together to worship you, to sing praises to you in just different ways, whether um, it's through hymns or whether it's through just all the different beautiful pictures of the church, Lord. Thank you for just uniting the churches of the Quad Cities, Lord. Would you start with these cities as churches that can live in unity and harmony with one another? Would you start with this church and continue it on, Lord, and just keep passing that on, keep passing that torch of unity. And Lord, I just also just pray over our hearts and our minds this entire week that as we use these words, us and we, in different situations, Lord, you would just remind us of our, our role as believers of you, that we can just go into our workforce, we can go into our families, and we can just work alongside people and just love people right where they're at. And just be a light in every single situation. Just remind us of that, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Have your way in our lives and in uh, the rest of today. Just totally have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.